all hits all the time. We are family. Max Scherzer, double-digit case. We're busting ours. Kick yours. Fun to watch. Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfect. Oh, mercy. Five, four, three, two, one. The holiday season is officially here, and we want to thank you, Nats fans, for staying along all season long, all year long, and making us a part of your holiday season. Bobby Blanco, Paul Mancano here for the Mass and All Access podcast, of course, brought to you by Marymount University. Visit MarymountSaints.com to learn more about our student-athletes and programs today. Paul, i got the turkey in the brine. I am ready for a day of food and family and football. That was a touching open there, Bobby. Oh, thank you. <clears throat> Very I, I mean it, too. We are thankful. We're very thankful. Very thankful. And I'm sure Nationals fans have a lot to be thankful for this holiday a season. A particular trophy, maybe? Um, yeah. The, uh, the, uh, there's got to be a, f- a funnier trophy than the uh, commissioner's trophy. trophy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. A uh, lot to be thankful for. We have a lot to be thankful for. Uh, your turkey's already in the brine? Yeah, it? I put it in last night, actually, because I didn't think I would have time to do it tonight. So, I just... Are you in charge of the turkey in your household? So uh, I, am in my, I am when my family hosts, my parents' host, but okay. we're going to my aunt and uncle's, so we're doing two turkeys. So we're doing the main big Double one. Double turk. Yeah, and I am uh, deep frying a smaller turkey. Really? Yes. So, Deep frying, you say? Yep. Third year in a row doing that. I've ha- I've had some knock on wood, great success with it. It's a very simple brine, and um, it's it's a real fun and easy process. So wow. I'm, I'm enjoying it. So it's a, it's only like a 13 pound bird for like I think 15 or 20 of us, but we got a bigger okay. one for you know traditional with the aromatics and regular brine and going in the oven all that stuff. I don't have anything to do with the entree, but as you might guess, I do have a lot to do with the dessert. Yeah, yeah, you're quite a baker. I am. What do you have up your sleeve? I'm going for some uh, chocolate uh, cupcakes with some pumpkin icing. Um, New recipe. Have all the ingredients. Tried to make it last night. Didn't have time. Going home tomorrow. It's gonna be. It's gonna have to be an early Thursday morning. You know, a mom can I steal a kitchen for thirty minutes type deal. Um, And and we'll we'll see what what comes out of it. Usually, I I end up making some kind of. Uh, cupcake, some some turkey cupcakes. Sometimes, some years, some mm. pilgrim hat like cupcakes. Shaped? Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. and, and they're just usual cupcakes, but you put uh, like a little turkey face on them. Their beak is like a can- piece of candy corn. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, one of those good deals. Um, and then um, uh, you know, sometimes I, I dabble in the pumpkin pie, but not too often. Uh, that's a little dicier. So. Let's get more into this uh, pumpkin icing. Well, how how are you making that? I have no idea. Okay, <laughs> absolutely no idea. <laughs> so I bought a bunch that. of. Uh, my girlfriend was like, "I'm going to the store. Do you need anything?" I was like, uh, "Could you get me cake mix and just pumpkin and uh, cinnamon and nutmeg, and I'll figure something out." So, like uh, a pumpkin, or you're just getting like no, pumpkin no, no, like flavor. can of pumpkin, yeah, okay, can of okay, pumpkin, okay. Um, which is apparently good for dogs too. They enjoy it. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, good to know. But. Pumpkin, and then also uh, she got me butter and sugar because that goes in everything. And then um, we'll figure it out from there. I, I, my mom will probably uh, 
be trying to kick me out of the kitchen yep. as, as early as possible. Well, that's a good thing about um, the deep frying is I don't take up any kitchen space. It's all outside. Oh, so, outside deep fryer. Well, yeah, you can't deep fry inside. It's I so dangerous. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, good to know. So I don't it shows how much I've deep fried. So I, I needed 15 minutes last night just to get it all put together, and uh-huh. now it's in its, it's in its bucket, and it, it'll come out It's in its morning. bucket. You've yeah. never gotten splashed by the... The grease, have you? Is that isn't that the danger? Yeah, for no, you friend? do, you do. It's a little bit, um, but we've got this mechanism that we built, which is just a two by four with a hook on it. But okay, <laughs> and you kind of lo- so it allows you to be a little further away. So you're not right on top of the deep fryer, right? So uh, me and my cousin or my dad, whoever, will be able to lower it down, hook it, and lift it back up without getting too much uh, splatter all over the place. Now that or on is- us. That might have to be a Bobby Blanco patented. Uh, Actually, no, it's a family friend showed us how to do that. He no, you can to, steal it from he him. He was the one that introduced me to deep frying, so I was like, yes, build me that. I want that right now. Thank until you. until uh, he's got a patent on it, you can go ahead and grab that from him. Before we get to baseball, favorite Thanksgiving dish? Yeah, my mom makes incredible mashed potatoes. Not just any mashed mm. potatoes we'll do. It's these specific mashed potatoes. She puts a little bit of butter in them. Uh, last year, we utterly forgot the gravy until like 15 minutes before. Oh, we're no. like, we got everything going here. <laughs> what are we forgetting? Yeah. And uh, we forgot the gravy. This year, we're going to have the gravy, mashed potatoes. What do you have? Uh, my grandmother makes a great chorizo stuffing. Ooh. And it is just, I look forward to every year. Wow. I will start, look forward, I will start looking toward it for next year on Friday. Wow. I, yeah. It's yeah. that it's just It's wow. that good. It's, it's just, uh, it's delicious. Um, all right. So, Back to baseball uh, here on the Mass and Alexis podcast. Also, if you haven't noticed, Mass and Alexis podcast is now two separate streams. So if you were following along, two separate streams, following along with the Mass and Alexis podcast, you'll now notice it's the Mass and Alexis podcast national. So this is all the national stuff. If you're still looking for Orioles stuff, that's on the Orioles stream now. Um, if you want to follow both, you feel about both. We would love to have you. Thanksgiving talk on both. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's the holiday season. Mm-hmm. Happy time of year. Um, so uh, two weeks ago, we did a look back into last year's uh, kind of off-season moves for the Nationals and how they panned out over the 2019 season that obviously resulted in a World Series championship. Uh, last week, we kind of looked toward this off-season and the free agents that they have that could possibly leave. Obviously, Steven Strasburg and Anthony Rendon headlining that group. Today, we're going to dive more into the free agency pool and um, – it's a, it's a big pool, obviously, a lot of bases to cover, no pun intended. But we're going to look at third base and uh, bullpen, two areas that the Nationals might desperately have to fill uh, if certain moves fall into place. Obviously, the caveat here is that, you know, if Anthony Rendon everything cha- resigns, that everything changes, if he goes elsewhere, this whole thing. But we're kind of looking at who else is out there um, in free agency that the Nationals could target if certain things fall into place where they might need to pick up, in today's case, a third baseman or a relief pitcher. Yeah, this roster, as constructed without Anthony Rendon and Steven Strasburg, if, if somehow they were both to walk, actually has a lot of holes, if mm-hmm. you think about it, because then they would be have to replace a starting pitcher in addition to a third baseman. They still have second base with Brian Dozier being a free agent. That's still a hole. They're set in the outfield, but they got to reload that bullpen almost from scratch. Mm -hmm. Daniel Hudson is a free agent of theirs who we talked about last week. Uh, And then, you know, you start getting into how do you, you know, do you want to replace Jan Gomes? Do you want to uh, get a more solid backup besides Matt Adams for first base? So, there are sneakily a lot of holes yep. on this team, um, and they're going to have to dip into the free agent market 
uh, with guys that that are not even their own free agents. Yeah, and we figured these were probably probably the, the, the two biggest holes that would have to fill. I, bullpens always seems like always concern every offseason for this team, but also if big name Anthony Rendon ends up leaving, that's probably becomes like your first priority yeah. in terms of you need cuz I mean the starting rotation Steven Strasburg leaving would obviously be a big blow, but you still got Patrick Corbin, Max Scherzer, um, and that's Two guys you can build around. Yeah, Yeah, two guys you can still build around. Three guys. Um, But having a hole in the hot corner might be difficult to to overcome. So let's look at that. A couple big names on here. Names that are uh, recognizable to any baseball fan, definitely. Um, But older names, too, Paul. The guys that are on the wrong side of 30 and maybe also have struggled as of late in their career. Yeah, I think it's besides Anthony Rendon. I think the top two guys that we're going to talk about there's a pretty wide gap between these two guys and the the rest of the guys on this list. Mm-hmm. Um, these two guys are pretty much the premier options at third base. If uh, and and I think, you know, it, it's going to be tough to decide where the the Nats allocate their money if they're going to, um, you know, if Rendon does walk, do they pay a lot for a long time long term third baseman to replace him, or do they try to pay a lot for a long time long term second baseman? Uh, because we just have a feeling that Carter Keboom is going to fill one of those spots, and right. I think that's their plan down the stretch. But these top two guys, Josh Donaldson and Mike Moustakis, aside from Anthony Rendon, I think are the cream of the crop in terms of third baseman free agents. Yeah, it's definitely, I think, looking at these numbers just off the top of my head, it's definitely Anthony Rendon, probably 10 feet, and then these two guys, and then probably 10 more feet. 10 more, yeah, of, exactly. The rest. But yeah, Josh Donaldson, obviously Nats fans will know him very well with the year he just spent with the Braves. Only one-year deal with $23 million. You know, for for one-year deal, he turned out to be pretty decent. He slugged 37 homers, 94 RBIs. Um, what really bothers me is the, he's about to be 34. And the, again, with these guys, I've said that they're on the wrong side of 30. You're giving up um, not a 30-year-old and Anthony Rendon and getting a 34-year-old, but the Braves just signed him for one one deal, and he did have a bounce-back season, but how long can you count on Josh Donaldson being productive at the hot corner um, for the next couple of years? I would worry about it, considering his injury history, too. He had a very injury-filled 2018 season with Toronto and then Cleveland the second half of that year. The Braves took a big gamble uh, spending that money on him, but Alex Anthropoulos in their front office trusted him they knew him from the days in Toronto so they they went out and spent the money on him um, and it worked out for him because I think he's gonna cash in big I don't know his, his exact dollar amount but uh, I would if I were a team I would worry about giving him long-term money because look 20, his 2019 season was great but how long can that last um, and you know it, it still wasn't quite the MVP caliber season that we've seen from him in years past and when he won it in 2015 um, and when he was a three-time all-star, it was a very good year, but he's probably never going to be the the superstar Josh Donaldson that he was in Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you mentioned his MVP and everyone thought he was going to be, you know, around here for a long time. And then the injuries hit him and yeah. then he just wasn't back to his all-star caliber. The fact that he's only a three-time all-star is kind of shocking it considering is. how much we talk about him over the past handful of years and how he was, you know, so good that one year in, in uh, Toronto, uh, and he was also before that with Oakland. He was really good too. Um, another thing, a side note on this for Josh Donaldson is is, and you know there is a small track record, and it was a while ago, so maybe he's matured. But how well will he fit in this clubhouse? You think? I mean, I think the personality might not match too well with the Nationals. He has had some trouble in the past. Um, 
some attitude issues. I feel like uh, that might not be something to add on to with the age. Like, is it worth the risk? Um, you know, but the hitting 37 homers and almost hundred RBIs uh, for one year, that seems, seems to me to be worth it. But like you said, the long-term risk is, is and how, how much money that could be is, is kind of risky and, and uncertain at this point. Exactly. He is, he is very, <clears throat> that that's why there's a 10 foot gap between Rendon and, the, and yeah, him. Yeah. yeah. Um, because there, there are these concerns and he's, three, four years older than Rendon. So, you know, that that's why he's going to command a far, far lower salary. Um, the next guy on this list that uh, we just mentioned, Mike Moustakis, 31 years old, three-time All-Star. Um, in 2019 with Milwaukee, he hit 254 uh, with 25 homers. Uh, interesting about Moustakis, he keeps signing for less and less money, but he continues to be more and more of a bargain for the teams <laughs> he signs with. Yeah, um, He signed for one year, $7 million before the 2019 season with the Brewers. And for the first year in his career, he really played all over the diamond. They used him at second base a lot. I think his versatility, his newfound versatility defensively, might make him a more attractive option. And the fact that he's 31 than Josh Donaldson. He doesn't have quite the power. He doesn't have quite the offensive repertoire that Josh Donaldson has, but the fact that you can move him around the diamond and he's a little bit younger might make him more attractive to the Nats. Yeah, and I, I didn't realize... He, I was, actually, my question would be, like, how much longer can he play third base? Because it, it seemed like he's been there for a long time. Josh Donaldson, to me, seems a little more athletic, so he can probably still play the position. Mike Moustakis, I don't feel like... He's just a bigger dude, and how much longer can he... And we'll talk, we're going to talk about a bigger dude in a second. But... Um, <laughs> how much longer can he play at third base? Cause he seems like he's kind of getting close to that age. Like we saw with Ryan Zimmer where he might have to shift to the other side of the, the diamond and play maybe a first. You mentioned him playing second. That's, that's impressive that he was able to do that for the, them that many games out of necessity. Um, but also, you know, providing 35 home runs for the, for, for the Brewers this year um, is, is 25, I believe I'm actually looking at 35. Oh, 35. I wrote it down wrong on baseball reference. 35 there. Yeah. Um, uh, just disregard all numbers that I give out from now on. Oh, boy. 87 <laughs> RBIs. I think that that is correct. But yes, two, is. Um, Yeah, I mean, the numbers are are very close to, to what Donaldson had, a little bit younger. Um, and, yeah, and I don't know exactly how much he's played at first. I think he's been tried at first at times. Um, but typically, guys can make that transition pretty yeah. easily if they can play third or second. So that would maybe give the Nationals an option uh, at first base if they decide not to bring back Matt Adams. I mean... We've seen, we saw last year how much Howie Kendrick was needed because he's not, he wasn't just a backup second baseman or a backup first baseman. He was used all over the diamond. And, you know, not that you expect injuries from guys, but if Trey Turner has to miss a few games, um, even if you bring back Rendon and he has to miss a few games, of course, Zimmerman is always uh, an injury concern. So, they're going to need somebody, I think, who can play more than one position in that infield, pretty much regardless of whether they bring back Rendon or Dozier or not. Yeah, and and the fact that it's a seven million dollar deal just for, for, for last year, um, I think he bought out, right? They got bought out. That's why he's a free agent now. I believe, yeah. Um, he can definitely seems like he might come cheaper than Josh Donaldson, and if that's the case, then you feel more comfortable because then you're not just providing all this money for a third baseman, but then you're like, all right, if we have to shift into more time at first base, we can. Like, say, Carter Keeboom comes up and is like, all right, he can play third base on an everyday basis. Mike Moustakas and Ryan Zimmerman hopefully can split first yeah. base, and then you have a 35-homer bat in your lineup or coming off the bench or splitting time at first base. 
on a relatively cheap deal, assuming that he gets something or not as much as Donaldson would get, but something closer to what he was getting paid for in Milwaukee. Exactly. So I would I would look for him to be. I would expect that if Rendon, especially if Rendon should walk, he would be a top option for the Nationals. You teased the big guy earlier, <laughs> uh, of course, Pablo Sandoval, the Panda, uh, thirty three years old. Interesting career Pablo Sandoval yeah. has had, to say the least. Of course, um, had some very good years with the Giants. Went to the Red Sox. Uh, not exactly the favorite of Boston. Um, after some down years there and some injury-filled years there, goes back to the Giants. Has a little bit of a career renaissance. Yeah. Uh, he's a two-time All-Star back in 2011-2012. Last year, he hit 268 with 14 homers and 41 RBIs. Uh, he has also been used at first base, played 23 games last year at fir- first base. But uh, injuries really, have, since his days going back to Boston, have been a problem for him. He hasn't played more than 108 games in a season since 2015. So another risky guy, and injuries are only going to get worse at 33. Right, and risky guy, and don't get me wrong, I love me some Panda. I was a big Pablo Sandoval <laughs> fan when he, those years, the Giants. He was, because a guy his size, being athletic as he was, playing third base was just like so crazy. It was so fun to watch. But the injuries hit. He obviously got that big contract in Boston and didn't never lived up to it. Um, I'd be very wary of him. And, you know, honestly, the 268, 14 homers, 41 RBIs, not great. And like you said, it is a little bit of a renaissance concerning where he was before this season. Um, but it's almost – I almost almost feel like he's on this list just for his namesake. You know, everyone knows Pablo Sandoval's name. He he has been very good in this league for for a couple, a handful of years. But, yeah, not playing more than 108 games since 15. Yeah, I mean, how much value are we going to get for him at third base? It's probably going to have to be transitioning to more of a first base guy. Um, also, he might be getting looked at as more of a, maybe a possible DH role by an American League team. I mean, how much longer can you cons- consistently expect him to play yeah. at a high level in the infield? Already at 33. And there are some weird things with guys. I think of uh, Carlos Santana with the Indians. Great, you know, career with the Indians. Goes to the Phillies. Not the same guy. Goes back to the Indians and is great again. Yeah. You wonder if it's the same type thing with Sandoval. Whatever it is, he just likes being in San Francisco. Likes playing for the Giants organization. You would worry if if those numbers would translate. and And, you know, or if he would have another kind of Boston moment and just not live up to, uh, not adjust well to another team. Um, so there are concerns there. Other than those three guys, Bobby, the list is not terribly deep. Uh, the next guy in terms of war for third baseman is Azdrubal Cabrera, <laughs> who we talked about last week. So, um, you know, he is still, of course, an option to bring back. But beyond that, Todd Frazier, I don't see them bringing him in, considering his uh, previous beef with Adam Eaton. Right. Um, but then beyond that, it's a, it's a Sean Rodriguez. It's a Caleb Cowhart. It's a, a, a Matt Duffy. So there's really not much beyond those top three guys if they need to replace Rendon. Yeah, and yeah, the list gets tough, 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 tough. That's why Rendon is, is so key to this free agency class because there is such a big drop-off. I feel like, oh man, I, it's hard to remember now, but like with Bryce Harper, yeah, but there's always an influx of outfielder free agents every year. So he was the cream of the crop last year, but even if you missed out on Bryce Harper, there were still plenty of other solid picks to pick from in the outfield like there are this year as again. But third base this year just seems really short. I think it's even shorter at shortstop. So, you know, got you know, feels hard for those teams that need shortstops this year. Uh, so if Anthony Rendon ends up walking, it's not only a big drop-off from him to the next guy, but then there's only a few guys to select from that 
provide top level play at a very important position. Exactly. All right. So there's third base. Of course, they could. Uh, they're still waiting, of course, on Anthony Rendon, and he will factor uh, into their plans as well. But um, those are the guys that uh, they might have to go after if they have to replace a, an Anthony Rendon. To the bullpen, Bobby, because this is for the 912th year in a row, a need for the Washington Nationals. Yep. Um, I, believe, I believe that number's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, of course, have Daniel Hudson, who is a free agent. And I think that they, who we talked about last week, think they would like to bring him back. Um, but there are a few other options out there as well if they are not able to or choose not to. Uh, we'll go through just a few of them. Let's start with Will Harris, 35 years old. Last year uh, with Houston, a 1.50 ERA in 60 innings pitched. He had 9.3 Ks per nine, a whip under one, a career year. He's a one-time All-Star going back to 2016. His numbers are eye-popping uh, when you look at them for the Astros last year, but 35 years old, and of course you got to worry about the Astros' effect. Guys just seem to pitch better uh, when they're with the Houston Astros. Yeah, well, we've kind of figured out why over the past couple of weeks. Uh, uh, no, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, but, you know, the, the Nationals now have a good book on this guy, having just seen him in, in the World Series. And you know, it, the numbers are eye-popping. And sometimes relief pitching, you know, that's an aspect in baseball where, like, you almost get better with age. And we talked about it a lot of time with Anibal Sanchez. I know he's a starter, but you learn how to pitch better as you get older. And yeah. it's not so much relying on your heater and, you know, your – but more being able to place it and then your off-speed stuff and, and being able to deceive hitters and having a good game plan going into the game. And, you know, he seems like a vet. It's been around the block. A 150 ERA, his K through 9 is, or K per 9 is really good. His whip's under 100 or 1,000. Um, he's a guy. And also, I think I mentioned this last week, you know, Mike Rizzo kind of, I think, might value more veteran relievers than other GMs do. We've seen him bring in veteran relievers, um, guys who are, you know, in their 30s uh, because they have a strong track record. So he might tend to look at guys who have been around longer, who are in their mid-30s, early 30s, um, that can still show that they can pitch like a Will Harris uh, and, and give him a shot. Speaking of veteran relievers who have been around a long time, Sergio Romo, mm -hmm. 36 years old, one-time All-Star going back to 2013 uh, with the Giants. This guy was a great, Pitcher for the Giants, for relief pitcher for several years, for many years, um, was a great postseason pitcher, and he's still hanging around. He has had a long career, of course. Uh, last year, he split time between uh, the Miami Marlins and the uh, Minnesota Twins. Um, he had a 3-4-3 ERA, 60.1 innings pitched, nine strikeouts per nine, and ER, uh, whip just over one. Um, would be another veteran option that uh, Mike Rizzo might look at, at to just be a, a, a solid guy. Of course, he wouldn't be the centerpiece of your bullpen. Um, he would come in maybe to be your third or fourth best reliever. Yeah, and, and that's something that Mike Rizzo has done too is is bring in closers but have them in the seventh or eighth. And you basically have three closers to close out a game. Um, and because they rely so heavily on on starting pitching, and if Mike Rizzo had his way, it would be starting pitcher one through six, and then a closer type in the seventh, a closer type in the eighth, and then the closer in the ninth. Um, but Sergio, yeah, he's had a great career. I mean, thirty six, and the fact that he's been able to pitch so consistently. Um, this is also a name that we brought up. I think, believe at the trade deadline, yeah. um, to, for the Nationals to target because he was with Miami. 
uh, ended up going to the Twins. Another, you mentioned the Todd Frazier added meat and beef. Don't forget, Sergio Roma had some beef with Michael A. Taylor and the Nationals as a team as a whole a couple years ago. Yep. Can they let bygones be bygones? Probably, right? I mean, it's a couple years ago. Honor Strickland. Well, it, yeah, <laughs> they, they crossed that bridge with him. So that's just that's just a little nugget, a little asterisk on, on, on his name. But yeah, I mean, another red flag, though, like you mentioned, sub hasn't had a sub three ERA since 2016, again with the Giants. He had such a long career at the Giants. Might just been like a comfort thing where he, he was comfortable there. Um, but proved to be, you know, worthy of a trade to a contender uh, this past season. So might be worthy of a contender to look at during this offseason. A lefty who's a little bit younger, Jake Diekman, 32. He's going to be 33 next year. Not incredibly young, but younger than the first two guys on this list. Um, has bounced around. He's been on four different teams the last two years. His name just keeps popping up uh, in, in terms of, his uh, free agency, he's always a trade target every year. Um, and his 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 stats are not even close to mind-boggling. They're not, they're not um, great. You know, he doesn't put up great stats every year, but he's just kind of around. You'll wonder if a guy like Jake Diekman, Mike Rizzo would be wary of because of the middling guys that they were hoping on would have good years last year and didn't Mm -hmm. with a guy like Jake Diekman that you know is just a mediocre reliever as is if he would kind of worry about bringing that guy in and seeing something like a Rosenthal a Bearclaw happen all over again you mentioned like him being his name being tossed around a lot and and but him also jumping from team to team and it's that's not being great is he one of those guys where we are just trying to make him seem like something he's not like you know do we just want him to be this really good high value really valuable relief pitcher but he's just not that guy it just seems like like you said every year his name pops up as either a trade piece or a top free agent um well i'll tell you why he's got great stuff terrible command terrible command 12 strikeouts per nine 1.419 whip so a ridiculous gives up. So something we just, I literally just said, should be getting with age is getting, might be getting worse with age for, yeah, for yeah. this guy. Um, he is a lefty. That's something the Nationals are going to need to add to this bullpen um, because Doolittle right now is, is the only reliable lefty they have. Um, but, yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think Mike Rizzo looks at this track record and be like, that's a little too sketchy for me. It might not be worth the risk, even though we've seen Mike Rizzo take risks like this before. Right, exactly. But you you worry now if he's a little bit scarred by the additions that he made before the 2019 yeah. season. Yeah. Um, another guy that popped up on trade rumors last year ended up going to the Twins also. Sam Dyson, a righty, 31 years old, uh, 3.32 ERA last year uh, in 61 to third innings. All looks great, and then you see... The, the year he had in the second half with Minnesota after that trade, an ERA over seven. Um, and he's been inconsistent in previous years, too. Not that, you know, relievers are terribly consistent year to year, but Dyson is especially inconsistent. He had an ERA over six back in 2017. So while he had a great first half, bad second half, had a great 2019, bad 2017, another kind of risky guy, even though he is on the younger side, and you might think he's a safer bet, but Buyer beware. Well, buyer beware, too, because did you see the news that came out today about him? There was um, some, I believe, some domestic violence accusations against oh him from boy. a former uh, 
girlfriend, ex-girlfriend posted on Instagram. Yeah, a girl, ex-girlfriend accuses him of domestic violence. So MLB's already looking into that as of right, right now. So buyer definitely beware. Um, you don't want any, don't want to bring any of that into your clubhouse, especially after winning a championship. Any any clubhouse shouldn't shouldn't want to bring that that kind of stuff in. Yeah. Um, so that's already going to be hurting him probably this off season and might take a few dollars off his next paycheck if he gets one from a from a major league team. Um, but yeah, the inconsistencies. Back to the baseball stuff. You know, maybe he can be the guy you mentioned. He he, he can be pretty. Well, he starts off well in the first half and then has had some down second halves. You know, they'd be the complete opposite of what the Nationals did this year. You know, we just need another guy to do well in the first half and then we'll figure yeah. out the second half at the at the, at the deadline. It could be a placeholder. Um, but then again, at 31, you don't really need placeholders at 31. You, yeah. you want guys who can stick your, you know, if you're going to give a 31-year-old a contract, might as well make it multi-years multi because you, you figure he still has a handful of good years left in him. And another 31-year-old who actually just got taken off the market, just a, a, reportedly agreed to a deal uh, with the... Uh, uh, Padres, I believe, is mm-hmm. where he went. Um, Drew Pomeranz, a lefty who, of course, was a starter for the bulk of his career, r- very recently uh, became a reliever and started coming out of the pen with the Milwaukee Brewers. He started 17 games in the first half of the year with the Giants, um, really struggled and was moved to a reliever, um, and then ended up making 24 relief appearances with the Brewers and was excellent. He's off the market, though. That would be a top guy. I would, I would think that the Nationals would want to target, especially another lefty to give uh, Sean Doolittle a little bit of a break sometimes, um, especially considering how much they struggled uh, getting lefties out out of the bullpen last year. But he's gone. Yeah, and the, but now we have something. And, and there's also a couple of names we're not mentioning that have already been gone. The Braves already signed yeah, of course. a couple of relievers. So you know, the, this is the mark that seems to be, or the stove, I guess, it's the hottest right now. I mean, it usually is a reliever. We saw Mike Rizzo do it last year. Um, making some moves early on. But a three-year deal with the Padres, I mean, that's your baseline. Guys who are on par with what Pomerantz has done throughout his career, that's what you're going to be a baseline is. Again, a 31-year-old, like I just said, multi-year deal, you know, hopefully stick around for a couple of years and be a part. You got Doolittle for one more year, I believe, at least. Um, maybe they look to extend him, too, to get his the rest of his good years here in D.C., um, and adds another left that would add, that would have added another lefty to this bullpen, but yeah, like you said, off the market. But there's your baseline right there. Exactly. That's that could be kind of a framework too mm-hmm. for the the type of contracts that could be handed out to. Yep. Uh, of course, we've already seen a few, but uh, could be handed out there. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, another guy and an old familiar name there, Bobby mm-hmm. Tyler Clippard. Yeah. Thirty four years old, still hanging around. Another guy, righty. Of course, his days with the Nationals, uh, fans might remember very well. Two-time All-Star with the Nats, 2011 and 2014. Um, most recently, he was with the Cleveland Indians, 2019. He had a sub-3 ERA. Of course, we remember he spent seven seasons in D.C. The last year uh, in D.C. was 2014. Another guy, he's having a, he, he was always good with the Nats, then felt like he fell off just a little bit after leaving the Nats, mm-hmm. but it had a great career a great year last year uh, with the Indians and is now in a position to get paid again. Yeah, hopefully he does. Yeah, he, like you said, Tyler Clippard had a great couple of years um, with the um, uh, the Nats, and he became a fan favorite uh, with the team. Right-hander, a guy that they could re- rely on that um, came in. He was, at times, a closer, also became um, a uh, the, the setup guy in the eighth. Um, but 34, I mean, we've talked about this whole time, 
if you're if you're going to be a little older, it might be tougher to get those kind of long term deals. How many more years does Tyler Clipper have? You can maybe do like a one or two year kind of off um, type thing. But thirty four, he has had put some solid years. I mean, a two ninety ERA is not terrible, um, and, and a no. WHIP well under a thousand. Um, but again, the thirty four thing. It would be a nice story for sure to yeah. get a reunion with Tyler Clippard, but um, yeah, we'll have, we'll have to see about that. Exactly. Uh, it would be nice to see him back here. Uh, another uh, righty who, like Pomeranz, transitioned from a uh, starter-type role with Houston, Colin McHugh. Uh, he had a 4.70 ERA in 2019 with the Astros, so not a great year. Uh, he did make eight starts, finished with uh, a 1.23 whip and 10 strikeouts per nine. But it wasn't long ago, 2018, when he had an ERA under two, a 199 ERA. Uh, that was the first full season as a uh, as a full time reliever because he he started his career, of course, with the Astros as a starter. Mm-hmm. So, like Pomeranz, would be a starter transition to a reliever. Question is, what what guy are you going to get? Yeah. Do you sign him? Are you going to get 2019 or 2018? Yeah, but there might be some value in that too because, um, you know, if you need him to make a spot start, it's something he's probably comfortable doing, something he's done before. Um, but we're looking at relievers now. How valuable can he be as a reliever? A take, hey, per nine is, is, is really good. Um, an ERA under two back in 2018 as a full-time reliever was is, is really solid. Um, he's gaining some more innings. He's only 32. Could be a guy that could fly under the radar, you know, because, but also is he a guy that might be looking to get a, another chance at starting, you know, is, or is he going to go over teams that I can still start? Or do you think he's fully submitted himself into a, a reliever role? And like, this is where I'm gonna make my bread and butter from now on becoming, coming out of the bullpen um, and maybe even extending my career. Cause that's less innings on me throughout the course of a season. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he kind of approaches his own free agency, having done both and, and done both at a pretty solid level over the course of his career. Exactly. One more name I want to mention. Dylan Batances is mm-hmm. a free agent. He's 31 years old. He is a righty. Four-time All-Star, 2.36 career ERA. Fantastic career numbers. One of the best relievers in baseball until 2019, when, of course, he made only one appearance. He had a bone spur in his pitching shoulder. Then he eventually came back, made one appearance in September, and tore his Achilles. Yep. Uh, just a disaster of a year for <laughs> so, so Dylan Batances, a guy who has had a, an outstanding career to date. The question is, this looking at this story on paper looks a lot like a Trevor Rosenthal. Mm-hmm. Um, just just looking at the idea of great pitcher, great reliever um, on some very good teams, has a disastrous injury-filled year, and has to come back. Is Mike Rizzo going to get some... PTSD here and not want to sign somebody who could end up being great value um, because of, of how good he's been, but you worry about whether he's going to be the same guy. It could back. be incredible value. Because remember, this was, he was one of the parts of this Yankees bullpen that was supposed to be one of the best in baseball. It would be him, Zach Britton, and, um, and uh, Chapman. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, he didn't pitch throughout the season. Are we wary of an Achilles injury that happened so close to the end of the season? You know, how is he going to bounce back? Um, and be when will he be available to start throwing off a mound again and then build his way back up to being able to perform at the level that we've seen him perform at? Zach Britton had the same injury, correct? He did. Yeah. He had it in the off season, Right. Um, and ended was up coming able to back, come back in like July. June or July. Late June or July. Yeah. Was able to be 
ready for the trade deadline for the Orioles. A success story for the Achilles, certainly. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So that's, I mean, that's a little different than Trevor Rosenthal's Tommy John. Yeah. Um, and at 31 years old, you know, still strong, relatively young, still can, can definitely bounce back from that. It's an interesting name, and and another name that might slide underneath the radar because of his injury and because he didn't pitch this past season, aside from the one, um, that teams might not be willing to take that much of a risk on him. But it would be interesting to look at and see, all right, let's see how he's rehabbing. Let's see how he looks up throwing on flat ground, off a mound, uh, and maybe we can maybe find a steal here. Yeah, and uh, you remember, of course, last year with Rosenthal, it was immediate. Mike Rizzo saw him pitch at the uh, workout yeah. that was uh, teams were invited to, made the decision within days that he was going to sign him, gives him a seven-year, uh, $7 million deal, one year. Um, it, it, he's probably going to have at least a little bit more hesitancy um, before he does something like that. But again, I mean, the, the upside is incredibly high. And yeah. if you do get him back, you know, it, even if he does have to miss some months, um, if you do get him back and he's, the guy that he was pre-injury and you're in a playoff hunt, that's a major, that's like, you know, making a trade for a guy. That's, Without that's giving it. anything up? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's and, and if you already, you know, if you re-sign Hudson, then you're looking at your second half of your season, your back end of your bullpen is Dylan Patances, Daniel Hudson, and Sean Doolittle, and that immediately becomes one of the, has to be one of the best in baseball, no yep. matter how else the rest of the free agency goes, because, because of all their track records, even though Daniel Hudson probably has the smallest track record of all of them. I mean, just, but the way the recency affected how he pitched in the last postseason, you've got to trust them. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it could definitely be like that little diamond in the rough because people might overlook him because of the injuries. And, um, it's all about his, about his rehab. There is, yeah. there is a, like you said, there's kind of a blueprint that had to come back from that. We saw Zach Britton do it. Um, yeah. And if you get him right, come back in July or you know, for the second half, it could be a, Incredible boost uh, for this Nats bullpen. Are there any other names that I did not mention that stick out to you on the list? There are some interesting ones, a Brad Brock, a Juan Nicasio. Uh, Brandon Kinsler, I think that ship has sailed, but that's another <laughs> name that's kind of higher yeah. up there. Yeah, um, yeah Brad Brock. Uh, if you go even further down, um, Darren O'Day has already re-signed. That's another name that's, kind of off, that's already off the board. Um, a Matt Albers, a Jerry Blevins, a guy that... Both those guys have track records with the Nationals. Um, their wars were zero, but and they're also on the other side of thirty-five. But something, you know, Jerry Blevins was was real solid for the Nationals that one year he was here. Yep. Um, a Greg Holland, who again, I mean, some of these guys have already been here. Yeah, uh, Hector Rondon has, a, and he's only thirty-two. Uh, yeah, there. I mean, there's a Wayne Chen listed as a reliever. Oh yeah, I guess he do. He wasn't more of a reliever. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's this is a long list of relievers um, and starters picking too, but that are going to be available. And it's you know, with when it's like that, you're obviously not going to be able to hit on one of the top guys every single time. It's it's going to be about finding those those bargain deals. And, yeah. and and like like Matt Albers is the perfect example. That one year, and he was just lights out for the Nationals. Was it 2016? He was like doing one of Dusty Baker's most trustable arms out of the bullpen put up crazy numbers um, for, for a bargain. And then, you know, they let him walk and he hasn't really been, he signed a big deal to Brewers and really was never the same. So it's going to be, that's kind of the attitude you need to find for, when it comes to relievers. How do you kind of one be financially re- responsible too, but also find the guys that, you know, maybe slip on other teams' radars. Yeah. It can be a minefield too. Yeah. If you're, yeah, if you're yeah. not careful. And it could also go the, the other way as we've seen. Um, a lot of the guys that have, 
great had great 2019s might you know be totally different pitchers in 2020 um, especially when it comes to the relievers and I know Nationals fans have said you know this team needs to spend a lot of money on relievers they feel like the Nats might have gone cheap um, in terms of the bullpen in previous years this is one of those years there's there's not an Araldis Chapman sitting out on the, the yeah. free agent market there's there's nobody really out there that is a premier guy who's going to make top-end money um, who's available. And you could make an argument that Will Smith was the top guy, yep. was the, maybe the best reliever on the market, and he already signed. Um, so there, there's not going to be somebody who deserves that type of money. So just because they don't hand somebody a $40, 50000000 million contract doesn't mean that they're going cheap. There just aren't too many options out there. I do think they're going to spend and try to get Dan, uh, bring Daniel Hudson back. But beyond that, they're just going to, I think, and rightfully so, they're going to pick and choose some deals to make and hopefully hit on two or three relievers. Yeah, and I've said this. I think it's about time that lock up another reliever long-term, a reliable reliever long-term other than Sean Doolittle. Because I'm looking through this list. Again, there are a lot of guys who have connections to the Nationals because this bullpen has been kind of a revolving door for the past handful of years. Guys come in on one-term deals, one-year deals, or excuse me, short-term deals, or one-year, whatever it may be, and then are out the next season because they just have refused to pay long-term for relievers because they value starting pitching so well. But we saw it almost cost them this season. I mean, it ended up working out, obviously, but, you know, it's especially the way baseball is going now, it's just not – a sustainable form of roster construction. Um, so I, I think it might be about time the Nationals... It doesn't have to be, like you said, the top guy or, or um, you know, a huge contract. It just has to be, you know, something that can be sustained and, and, and be here for a good chunk of time, not just keep this revolving door rolling. Exactly. Uh, there are several other positions that we will get to mm-hmm. in podcasts down the line, of course. We'll get to second base. We'll get to catcher. We'll get to backup first baseman. Uh, maybe even, you know, will they have a hole that they need to fill in the starting pitching market? Or may- maybe they'll try to go after uh, a fifth starter for the 912th year in a row again. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there are a lot of uh, free agent conversations to be had in the future. And you know, one, one domino falls, it changes the whole conversation. So, you know, we could be revisiting these conversations in just a few short weeks. The winter meetings are two weeks away. So something had happened where now we're looking at this name. You know, some of the guys that were lower on this list might be catapulted up higher because of some other signings yeah. and uh, or other uh, trades. And of course, yeah, trades are a big, big deal. We remember yeah. uh, they traded for Jan Gomes last off season. Um, so Mike Rizzo is, is not afraid and traded for uh, Barrack Law last off season. Yep. I think those were the two biggest deals that they made. Well, the Tanner for Tanner too. And Tanner for Tanner, of course, during winter meetings. During winter so meetings. there are always deals to be made that, uh, you know, even the, even if the reliever market might not be as attractive in terms of free agency, there are guys that are available in other means. Well, I wonder if other teams are also going to force Mike Rizzo's hand. I mean, we've already, like we said, the Braves have already signed two of their best relievers on the market to multi-year deals. They were a team that their bullpen suffered in the in the postseason. That's why they kind of fell out. Um, you know, by by going out and getting the top guys, are you going to force Mike Rizzo's hand and kind of have to do the same because you're going to yeah. have to keep up with him in the division? So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this all kind of plays out. Of course, stick along with the Mass Analysis podcast. Now the Nationals stream um, for all, all all season. We'll be back next week. Um, maybe talk some more off-season stuff before we head out to San Diego for the winter meetings. Of course, we'll be having all Mass and All Access shows throughout that week. Um, a lot of things happening coming up. We'll be visiting on, on Monday uh, the uh, documentary premiere at the Anthem in D.C., so we'll look out for that coverage as well. 
um, yeah, it's going to be an exciting offseason when your world champions, all eyes are on you, and, and um, it, it's fun. It's a good reason to have all eyes on you. Exactly. Um, so a lot of stuff. Of course, uh, stick along. You can also t- tweet at us, at Bobby underscore Blanco, at Paul Mancano, and all, uh, you can find the Mass on All Access podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play. Of course, watch on the Mass on All Access Facebook page, the uh, Mass Nationals Facebook page and Twitter account, uh, YouTube, all that stuff. Subscribe, spread the word. Um, and of course, the Mass on All Access podcast is brought to you by Marymount University. Visit MarymountSaints.com to learn more about our student athletes and programs today. We'll see you next week. Have a happy Thanksgiving, everyone.